welcome to God's Glorious Grace, a podcast from Hope Church Harrogate, where we are asking the question, have we really understood the grace of God? We're taking a deep dive into Ephesians chapter 1, considering a phrase of that chapter in each episode, and asking first what it teaches us about God, and second, how that affects our lives, hopefully with a good dose of warmth and fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. There is a dynamic, a supernatural dynamic to grace that builds this glorious dependence on God. We were never meant to make it on our own. We are from Hope Church Harrogate and our aim is to leave you with those twin post-exercise feelings of stretched muscles and pumping endorphins as we open our eyes further and grow together in wonder at God's glorious grace. I don't know if that's over-promising there, Adam. (laughs) Go big, go big or go home. I'm joined today by serial interrupter, uh, Rachel Turner. (laughs) Hello, everybody. and Mark, uh, father of six and a man who reads the manual, we found out this week. Uh, as for me, I'm Adam. I have the privilege of leading the team at Hope Church Harrogate. And we're all here recording our voices for your listening pleasure because our lives have been utterly changed by God's glorious grace. In this series, we are doing a deep dive into Ephesians chapter one. So Mark, first of all, why don't you tell us about Ephesians? Ephesians was a letter Uh, written by Paul, probably to the church at Ephesus, which was a big port city, a major city uh, in the Roman Empire, but understood to be a a letter that then went through Asia, written around about AD 60, AD 62. So we're talking about 30 years after the day of Pentecost. So the great uh, growth of Christianity, the expansion of Christianity uh, through the known world then had been going. Um, and we see that this is a quite peculiar letter in the sense that lots of Paul's other letters are addressing issues in churches or specific problem, whereas this letter doesn't do that. It's more a tremendous exhortation, and uh, it starts with that flow, and then it goes into the practical application implications of what Paul has been exhorting us uh, 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 to to do and to be. Um, The opening chapter explodes in fact one would say it gushes with wonder you actually feel Paul's excitement and thrill at writing what he's writing and he opens not only with a great greeting but then he opens and provides us with this detailed explanation and definition of what grace is and that flows out throughout the book it's like he's writing uh, uh, to to the church he's writing about who we can be in Christ and grace pops out all the time uh, in in his heart so it could actually be titled as a book for me this is what Jesus has done and what God is truly like brilliant hey with an introduction like that I think we better read it Rachel right right Right, we're reading from the NIV, everybody. Come join us. We're going to read the whole chunk of what we're going to end up talking through. So uh, this is a brace yourself. This is about 14 verses of Ephesians 1. Here we go. Uh, So it always starts with an introduction, and he always, like, refers to himself first. So he's saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Those are some words. Now, the way this podcast works is we start up with a conversation around the theology of what we've read before trying to bring some explanation or idea of to how this affects our discipleship and how we carry grace into every sphere of life. So in the theology of grace, we need to start with this question, friends. Why are we talking about grace? Mark, why don't you go first? For me, the discussion around grace and why we're going deep is rooted in, a, in quite a concern that I have that actually in our soundbite culture, we've uh, actually reduced grace to one or two soundbites like the undeserved merit of God. And though those soundbites carry a truth, if that's what we actually end up landing with, we miss the, the depth of this. And this is why Paul writes about it being glorious Grace And so grace is not just foundational uh, gateway into our faith in Jesus Christ, but it is actually the means and the way that we are to live our Christian life. Brilliant. I, uh, I like to play on the phrase, uh, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas, and say that <laughs> grace is for life and not just salvation. <laughs> You've got to love a good pithy stealing of the RSPCA mantras, right? And... Uh, but it's true, and I think so often in Christianity we have this idea that grace is what gets us saved, and then it's almost like the game changes afterwards. Yeah. But here, as you yeah. read Paul gushing about grace, we realise it affects the whole of life. Yes. Rachel, why is grace so important in this conversation? I would say that I think it's kind of like a concept about love. Like, we understand that the word love is multifaceted and deep and covers this and it's different with different people and and so you can look at someone's relationships whether it's friendships whether it's a parent-child relationship and you think oh there's so much depths of love and different layers of love and we could talk about love for ages but grace is just like 
you know, the one, you know, it's like taking off five spice off the, the, the <laughs> shelf. It's like the one thing you come and take it out and sprinkle because it's a very specific thing that you only use for that one aspect. And I, I think I'm really excited to spend the next, you know, however many weeks, months discussing actually the multi-facets and the multi-uses and just how deep and wide and wonderful the concept of God's grace is, how it affects our everyday life, our everyday relationships, how we, you know, connect with others and how we read scripture. You know, the lens of reading scripture scripture through grace is fascinating. And so I think just swimming in grace for a while is going to be really interesting because I feel like most of the time we only swim swim in love. So isn't that quite interesting? I, I like your your drawing in of, of love. Because I wonder um, when we talk about the love of God we lack definition. Mm. I think we lack the breadth of it. And I wonder, outside of the cross, which is this greatest expression of love, actually this definition, this list, as it were, that Paul has listed here, is that not a, 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 an expression of God's love? Doesn't mm. this give some kind of shape and give us some knobs to play with here mm. in terms of actually what the love of God is. So I, I wonder if that's a reason for uh, digging deep into grace. Mm. Um, because actually we're experiencing, when we look at grace, we start to look, I think, into the face of God. We start mm. to see who he is and understand who he is. Mm. Yeah. And that's the problem with some of the sound bites and the acrostics. So... Uh, many people will be familiar with God's riches at Christ's expense, which is just the most beautiful acrostic about grace. But my challenge with that is it's about me. Mm. I get God's riches at Christ's expense. But really, when I'm reading Ephesians chapter one, this is all about God yes. and not about me. And so there's a reorientation as we talk about grace. This is no longer about me, first of all. It's about God. And therefore, it is yeah. so much bigger because he is so much bigger. Yeah. So I think... Um, one of the key things for going deep is um, in my Christian life when I was growing up I would say there was an ignorance about grace I knew I was saved by grace I was saved in the Billy Graham era in the 60s and through that lovely song just as I am I come to you and so I knew I was coming just as I was but having then got saved it was like God was no longer in love with me. It was a list of things I had to, and this, there was a huge focus on sin. Sin was the thing to be feared. And what I've realized is that ignorance, actually, of grace robs us of the joy uh, of, of our salvation. It jobs us, robs us of what's available to us uh, in God and can lead us to get just disappointed and uh, disheartened in our faith, just as we are uh, uh, beginning. So, uh, and the other thing that has troubled me slightly is when we stay at the acrostic level, is when there is a, a vacuum of truth, actually then it opens the door for false truth to come in. And, we, and, and it's harder to unpick a false truth. So the false truth I believed was that God was a policeman. And he was checking every move. And I had to get to bed every night and ask him to forgive me for all my sins. And so I felt I was living my life walking on eggshells. Mm. I love that. I think that brings that back. That, that phrase that you just said is haunting me now. Grace is, for, grace is for life, not just for salvation. Say it better. What was the phrase again? Grace is for life, yeah. not just salvation. Oh, I said it right. Fine. 
I love that because everything I just keep saying it is it's the doorway that we picture you know grace is the thing that lets us you know slide through and and actually I'm not sure we can fully appreciate the Christian life the the freedom that Christ has given us unless we know how to walk in grace or else you know a life without grace is a life misunderstood in Christ and I think that's a really uh, interesting uh, concept of how do we walk in grace not just how do we be thankful for the grace that we had at yes. the time that let us slide into this yeah. this thing. I think it's really important to, to understand it and to, to wheedle at the depths of it. I think often as Christians, we are lazy in our language. Like I have that thing, it's a bugbear, but I have that thing about the prophetic. We say the word prophetic and it just covers pretty much everything. Everything. <laughs> you say something nice, it is prophetic. Exactly. It drives me nuts. And I think grace sometimes is is that word for us or love. And I love that's what I love about this passage is is Paul's like, okay, I'm not just going to say a word. I'm going to say it's this and that and this, and it comes into here, and he really get, gets it into detail. And I think chewing at that detail really lets it, us appreciate it. It reminds me of like cooks and things, you know, when they or or wine aficionados, they taste something and then they're like, hmm, there's notes of this and that and that. Yes, and I think that's what this is. We're going to really savor yeah. the scripture on this one. Yeah. So, so that's really helpful. So what we're seeing here, grace t- tells us about God, but it's grace to live by. So it's grace that helps me come into freedom and joy, but it's grace to live by, which means actually there's a third element of this that we need to look at, which is the grace that I now, having received, I now extend mm. to my family, my spouse, my church, etc. And And I would say that in my growing up, um, that aspect also was very missing, mm-hmm. that there was not an expression of grace. In mm-hmm. fact, rather judgment because of the sin focus, there was a judgment. And of course, that led to falsehood. Mm-hmm. People pretended people couldn't be vulnerable. They couldn't say, I'm struggling in this mm-hmm. because then you were blackballed. You were mm-hmm. ticked off from membership and things like that. Where, of course, grace lived out isn't a wonderful expression. So I think we're in this triangle of things. It's, it's revealing the nature of God. It's revealing the freedom of God and, and the blessing of God on my life. But also, how then? How do I become a dispenser, a life of grace, where I extend that to others so, so that our relationships are meaningful and rich and deep as well? Grace is for life, not just for... It is indeed. <laughs> oh, it's a good phrase. And having said we don't... Bumper available. That's all yeah. good Christian retailers. Having said we don't want to do sound boys, now I'm like, that's it. That's the sound bite we need. <laughs> <laughs> and because and the, the thing is here, if we truly are made in the image of God, but we're living out a Christian life which has grace at the beginning, but not grace all the way through, then we're misrepresenting God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dreadful. And that's just a, the most horrendous thing that if... If we are saying, oh yeah, God loves you more as a sinner than as a saint, it's the old bait and switch, mm. which is, oh yeah, God will forgive you anything, but now you're a Christian, he won't. He's actually really cross with you, mm. and you've got to perform, and that's a horrible place to end up in, and I'm sure we've all got experiences and stories we could tell of seeing that in the wider church, and some of that will come up, I'm sure, in our second part, yeah. where we talk about what it means for grace to get into our discipleship and how we carry it into every sphere of life. But for now, it's time for our halftime oranges. Rachel Turner. We're going to do a little quiz to give you a little break up. I pray. I pray. Wow, that is not that Christian. Shy nose. <laughs> Don't, I'm not going to.
going to pray that you play along. Play along at home. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> right, here we go. We have a little quiz on Ephesus. You know, just a little thing. One of my favorite things to do is historical context. And so I'm going to give us a little quiz. Uh, so Adam and Mark, we're going to play in here. I, instead oh, of hitting anything, because that would mess it up, I would like you to make your own buzzer noise with your mouth as you go. So here we go. Ephesus is in which modern day country? Oh, yes, Adam. Turkey. Nice. Very good. Very good. Uh, In Ephesus, they had a famous temple dedicated to which Greek goddess? Yes. Artemis. Artemis. Very good. (laughs) Now, Artemis was the goddess of what? Fertility and and sex, really. (laughs) Yes, sort of. The hunt. Uh, Yes, childbirth and chastity. Childbirth and chastity. Yeah, well, That's you know. We women are multifaceted, Adam. <laughs> okay. Thanks right. for joining us, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it was, well, you know. It was the seat of prostitution. We're talking about a port. The range. It was the range of sexuality. <laughs> there, Mark. Okay, here we go. And how big was the temple? Of <laughs> Artemis, yes. Very big. Very big. Yes, it was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was. It was four times the size of the Parthenon. How big was the Parthenon? Big. Flipping big. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think Mark is winning this one. I think we're we're two to two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, right. We have uh, a couple more questions. Then uh, it was it was second only to Rome. The size of it. It was second only to Rome in terms of culture and commerce. But uh, there was as a famous thing that happened in Acts, I believe, uh, there was a riot that got started. Why was the riot started? Yes. Because people stopped buying the <laughs> models, the, the effigies from the temple. Very good. Very good. But this guy called Demetrius started it. And what did he sell? Idols. No. <gasps> what did he sell? Silver coins. Ah. With a little face on it. I'm going to go for not idols, but right, fine. And how long did Paul live in Ephesus? Three years. Ooh, I have... <laughs> because your buzzer came in the end, I'm not going to give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now I'm pushing my I thought he lived there two years, so now I'm going to have to look it up and I'll update you next time. Okay. That was our little mini thing on Ephesus. <laughs> Tune in next week to find out how long Paul lived in Ephesus. <laughs> You might be able to consult your Bible, probably Acts, somewhere in the 20s, we'll tell you, but uh, we've got to crack on with the second part of our conversation uh, in this podcast, where we are now asking the question, uh, why is grace therefore, if it's all about God, as we've been saying, why is grace such a big deal for us personally and for humanity? Rachel. Wow. Uh, Well, okay. Uh, For me... Uh, I think that I sometimes have seen grace as what uh, just makes up for my deficit in life. So I'm like, I'm a terrible person. And, um, and therefore grace, you know, makes me a bit better than what I was. It sort of covers my cracks. And I, I think for me, I've just been pondering about how grace is actually the generosity of God that I get to live within, which I desperately need. And so it's not just about me. It's not just, okay, I'm terrible and God fills in my cracks, but it's actually being able to live in the generosity of God and letting my wholeness be found in him and letting me um, have grace and 
in the face of my failures. It's it's being a small part of, of him being bigger than me. And so there are so many times in my life where I've desperately needed God's generosity and I've desperately needed him to fill in the cracks of my weakness, but to me be whole in him. Um, one of the ways I was thinking about that was about like mental health. I often, um, depression is part of my family. And so um, lockdown has been an interesting journey. As an introvert, loved it. But also living with extroverts, hard for them. And I think we've all struggled with mental health. And there have been times in my journey of mental health that I think I am just not capable of functioning. And for me to be able to hold on, not just to the love of God, which makes me feel accepted, but the grace that makes me feel whole and capable of walking forward. I think there's uh, grace for me is a, a way of holding me together and, 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 walk, and enabling me to function uh, in a way that, that I don't just get from feeling accepted. It's, it's, a, it's a functional working part of God that I find my wholeness in. Yeah, and it's so helpful to see that grace goes beyond just our church life, mm -hmm. but into the whole of life, how we feel about ourselves, how we approach the day, our highs and our lows. Mm -hmm. it, it isn't just this thing for Sundays mm -hmm. and maybe a Wednesday night. Yeah. Mark, how about you? Why is grace such a big deal for us personally? Yeah, for me, uh, I would say there is a transformational element uh, to grace. Um, it's not a, just a theology, it's not a doctrine actually it brings life and um, interesting in in John's gospel at the beginning uh, you know John says that um, Jesus was full of grace and truth yeah and um, actually when I look that word up full it means it actually permeated him it was who mm. he was wow. uh, and of course John John also recalls that Jesus said that the words that I speak are spirit and life mm. and so you know these words uh, aren't just as plaques to put on a wall, like some kind of value system that you put on a company wall. They're actually transformational because they, they are spirit and life. And, and just in, in one example for me would be, as I said earlier, that the focus on sin actually meant uh, that I sinned more mm. uh, because that was where my eyes were uh, and feared sin. Uh, and, you, you know, an example of that for me uh, would be if, if I shouted at my kids because they dropped a cup while wiping up one day, we would lose six cups in the next week because mm. there was a sudden a fear of dropping a cup. Um, and I'm not talking just that this is a mind shift, though the mind is very important, but actually what grace does is make me dependent and focus on God. And what he has done. And so, you know, if we look into Ephesians and you get to chapter five, he says, no, put off the old and put on the new. Well, hang on. So we're to live from our new nature, uh, which is grace empowered, grace inspired, grace runs through it. And so so for me, it, it is about freedom. Yeah. And it is also that thing of of it changes my view of God. He isn't this policeman. He isn't an angry God. Because how could words like lavish come from, from, from a gracious God? What he declares over me is we'll look at that I am blameless, that I am holy. Uh, these uh, things are, are, are realities that actually as I agree with God, actually I start to live out of what he has done. So, so for me, it, 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 it actually makes living 
like Jesus, Jesus is the goal, isn't it, of our lives, not only of our worship, yes. but to be Christ-like. Actually, grace not only tells me about that, but it enables me to actually live like Jesus, which is, a, is an extraordinary thought. Um, uh, and, of course, you know, grace is an enabler to me. Yeah, yes. And so if perfect love drives out all fear as john writes in his yeah. in his letter then then fear's gone from our life grace comes and removes fear of failure fear of not living up to the measure yes. fear of what other people think yeah uh, all these things that are so controlling within our culture the world that we live in right now there's there's a strong performance yeah. element isn't there mm, yes. it's not just that you've got to be a good person you've got to be seen to be a good person you've got to demonstrate it which is just so different to how the rest of the of history has seen this topic. Yet the grace of God means that we have been set free from that control yeah. of fear and get to live in the, the yes. fullness of what God has yes. provided for his people. It, it, it's almost like life without grace isn't even life at all. Mm. Once you start to see mm. just what it means yeah. for life. Um, let's go another notch in. Ooh, nice. What will it do for us and listeners as believers if we can grasp grace better? I think we see God better. And I think we get to have relationships with each other that I think is a little glimmer of what community will look like in heaven. Wow. Sounds good. Yes, I, I mean, think that's my succinct answer. I like it. <laughs> Relationships with each other that look like what they'll look like in heaven. A glimpse, a glimmer yes. of what they'll look like in heaven. Wow. Do you want to stick some more yes, adjectives into I that? Yes, I can do. Uh, I, think, I think, well, see, this is an interesting thing. Maybe I disagree with myself. I may disagree with myself. Because I think the beauty of grace is, is that it, it accepts the other person as the whole and extends that... that um, that truth and love and and just oh, the grace, just the, the oil of heaven around these relationships. And and we're so imperfect on earth that in some ways I think we get we get a better opportunity. In heaven, it'll be a lot easier to be graceful with each other. <laughs> we're here. I think that's what the beauty of, of being in a Christian community is, is that we can grab God's heart for each other in our failures, in our weaknesses, in our not finished yet-nesses. And we get to extend and experience that sort of love, acceptance, grace, heart of God for each other that maybe will be easier to have in heaven. Mm -hmm. Maybe and this is the one chance we have to experience this kind of grace. Wow. Ooh, if you don't, don't live in grace now, you miss your chance. <laughs> I don't know. And of course, you're free to disagree with yourself because of grace. Thanks. You don't have to have this nailed <laughs> down. It's just uh, the most wonderful truth. Uh, so what you're saying, Rachel, is almost... Um, grace enables us to function well together, even where our brokenness could rub up. Especially when our brokenness would rub up. Especially. It's the oil that makes stuff 
cogs click together even though they shouldn't fit together because Absolutely. of the brokenness. Of and that's the beauty of the body of Christ. That's the that's the extraordinariness of of who we're called to be together. It's not just a whole bunch of people who tolerate each other and grin our teeth and bear it, but it's that we a whole bunch of people who genuinely love each other, pour grace on each other, and live the kingdom yeah. together. And that can only be done through the oil of grace, I think. Yeah. And there's this transformational aspect, which is what Mark was talking about before, which is grace accepts us and enables us in our brokenness to function together but grace also refuses to leave us as we are yes because god doesn't just apply grace at the point of salvation yes but gives us grace all the way through our lives because he doesn't want to leave us as he found us but he picks us out of the miry pit puts our feet upon a rock and cleans us up makes us glorious transforms us to be more like christ there's this grace refuses to leave us as we are uh, and therefore we're not stuck in the brokenness of human relation. That can be transformed again yes. too. But what I love about that is Christ says he is the one who's transforming us daily to become more like him. And therefore we're not finished yet. And so it's not my job to force you to transform. It's my job to have grace with you as you are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love that side-by-sideness of I can play my part, I can love you, I can challenge you, I can be honest about it, but I get to watch the glory of you transform and to appreciate that and feed that back and revel in all of us becoming more and more like Christ together. Brilliant. Mark, why don't you yeah. give us a final word on how this would impact the world if the if the church live with this kind of grace. So I just want to say, I totally agree with everything that's been said, and this isn't a but. But it is, uh, I think, broadening this out. Because I think there is an enablement. Grace is an enablement. So we have that in Hebrews, don't we? That we can come to the throne of grace in our time of need. We have that incredible expression by Paul when he's clearly physically suffering something and God doesn't seem to do the miracle of healing or the miracle of deliverance, but actually says, my grace is sufficient for you. Mm -hmm. Now, that must mean something, that there is an enablement coming from heaven, an enablement to endure, an enablement for Paul to persevere through the tough moment. And so I, I think... When we broaden grace out a little bit, which we might be looking at in the next uh, section, actually we see that everything I receive from God is grace. So the, 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 my ability to earn money is a grace from God. He's given me gifts, he's shaped me in certain ways, educationally or what have you, so I can use my skill. That's a grace of God. The fact there is table food is, is an expression of grace. Hence our forefathers that would say grace. And in mm -hmm. fact, I have reintroduced grace into my family some years ago for exactly that reason, because actually it, it does flow from heaven. And so uh, there is a dynamic, a supernatural dynamic to grace that builds this glorious dependence on God. We were never meant to make it on our own. We were set up to walk with him in partnership with him. So, so for me, yes, relationship, yes, revealing the nature of God. These are magnificent things that grace does. But actually there is an enablement, an empowering of my life that I receive because of grace. I am utterly dependent on grace. I can't be a husband without the grace of God. I can't be a father without the grace of God. I can't be an employee 
to the extent that I could be without the grace of God. It's meant to be that way. Uh, and herein lies why we're going to spend an inordinate number of yeah. weeks talking about grace, because it does suddenly explode into such an enormous multifaceted topic that applies to all parts of life. Fantastic. Well, I hope we've whet your appetite with that. What we tend to do in these podcasts is we want to finish not just by tickling our brains, but also by allowing God to work in our hearts. And we want to come to him and pray together. Uh, and so we're going to pray now as we finish for all that God has been doing amongst us, both in speaking and listening right now, for him to uh, see that through and to bring grace into our lives. Mark. Yes. Yeah, so rather than just praying over us, Perhaps this is something that uh, you could uh, take away uh, and just before God, as you get into listening to this and perhaps something's already stirred in you, um, but let's just pray this and perhaps you might want to repeat this prayer uh, a bit later. So Father, I thank you that you are bigger than who I am. I thank you that there is mystery about who you are but you have chosen to reveal yourself. And I want to say to you, Father, that I do love you, but I want to love you more. I want to know you more. And I just understand that by looking at grace, I may be actually staring and gazing in the face of my God. And so I ask you, Holy Spirit, you who will lead me into all truth, would you open my mind would you open my heart and my understanding that through this listening, through this series, I will not only come to know and love you more, that I too would be transformed in the way I think, the way I see myself, the way that I see others as well. Thank you that you love us so much, Father. Thank you, you love me. Amen. Amen. Let me leave you with this thought at the end of this first podcast. What could happen in the world around us if we were full of the same grace as Jesus? We did say it was a deep dive and I definitely mentioned stretching muscles at the beginning of this podcast. So we will leave you to chew this over until next time. Why not ask a friend what they think about this? Why don't pray as Paul does that God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. Next week, we're going to be jumping into verse 3 and the exclamation of Paul, praise be, and we would love to have you back for that. So why don't you hit subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, preferably five stars, tell a friend that you think would enjoy it, and we will see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.